Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, as was foretold by Nerdaburilus. I keep telling you, they're not prophecies, they're science fiction. Chaplain Kevin Delgwine raised his hands in exasperation as the officers on the bridge looked on. Captain Zan nodded with solemnity, his dorsal tendrils drifting as though only a half-second delay. Indeed, the religions of Kanzal history had many different names for their predictions of the future, yet none of them stood the test of time like your prof... Uh, science fiction. But we never created them to predict the future. They were just stories. Sometimes they explored futures that we'd hoped for or feared, but they weren't prophecies. He faltered as he caught a glimpse of the starlight in the bow window, distorted by the warp bubble. Science officer Valdron took the chance to interject, raising a paw to draw Kevin's attention. You speak of possible futures. Presumably, this is a reflection on the many parallel time streams such as those traversed by your mythical heroes, Dr. Brown and McFly. How do you go about mapping these futures? Does each quantum event create a new branch, or are you able to condense similar futures together? No, no, it's not like that at all. Kevin tapped his glass, then took a sip of the freshly materialized water to calm himself. We don't have any special perception of time. We just got lucky with stories we used to tell each other. There's nothing more interesting than that. Each species on the bridge looked downcast in their own way. Tendrils, spines, and whiskers lost their excited tension as focus was returned to the instruments. The captain was the first to break the awkward silence. So what will the service be tonight, Chaplin? Perhaps a reading from the Hitchhiker's Guide? Or might we take a lesson from the Voyage of the Galactica? Galactica, I think. You'll enjoy the next episode, the... An explosion rocked the bridge. Sparks flashed from the panels and the crew were thrown from their stations. Baldrin was back on her feet in a moment, swatching through information. We've been taken out of warp. There appears to be a ship in the starboard sending a message. On screen now, sir. It was a metallic cube covered in geometric patterns and glowing green lights. An expressionless voice. We are the Block. Your biological and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own. It's futile to resist. Captain, Kevin spoke hesitantly. I think I might have a few ideas. End of story. Story number two. A finding error written by Infernalism. Hello, Gimbal. The voice slithered clear of the speakers before Gimbal's screen shifted from his usual screen of data reports to show Dion's personal insignia. D Dion, hi, I, I was just getting ready to call you. Oh, I bet you were, Gimbal. I just bet you were. The laughter that came along with it vibrated the room as Dion had taken the opportunity to remotely change the settings, upping the bass and the overall volume so that his voice filled the tiny crate-filled little office room, shook it with laughter, and even the glattral hissing whisper wrapped around him. 
It was the time of the month, Kimball, and your accounts are empty. You wouldn't be holding out on me now, would you? It's a long ways to the capital world, but I'd make that trip just for you. You know that, right? I never hold out. You owe me. Bellowing filled the room, rattling boxes and rattling both. Antlins were nervous, twitchy creatures by nature, prone to nervous disorders of neurosis, and Gimple would likely have developed a new neurosis just then if he hadn't already had just about every one that you could get from having to deal with loan shark, gambling, and sepsastrians. Dion, I, Gimble, I am already making arrangements to have you collected so that I can eat you as soon as I arrive in the capital. You and uh, your family. I want you to know that. Goodbye, Gimble. Wait, no. You have my money, then. I have something better. Slithering laughter again from his commandeered speakers. And that is a fighting error. The current galactic stage is a collection of disparate empires expanding wisely in directions away from one another. A thousand spaces traded with each other, and the only thing resembling an overall collective government was just known as capital. It wasn't so much a world of government as the galaxy's largest trading post. The accepted history states that there was once an overarching galactic empire centuries ago, but they either died or left, and the lesser species that came along found the leftovers scattered all about. Capital is one of those remnants. A vast network of interconnected computer databases covered in the planet's surface and functional as an encyclopedia of sorts. A central system of information that was informally called the Hub. A hundred different species lived on Capital and maintained the Hub, though it was very much a self-sufficient system overseen by a collective AI network that existed purely to maintain the hub and add to it. Just about everything you could imagine is found in the hub, and it is open to all. Information, technology, maps, species entries, world entries, hyperspace navigation, information, power sources, world reforging techniques... Everything a species needed to bootstrap itself up the galactic standard. Thanks to the capital and the hub, every species that managed to make it to the capital would shortly become a player on the galactic stage. One would think that this would lead to massive wars, but space is remarkably huge, far larger than most realize or can comprehend, and most species simply found it easier just to develop and grow in a direction away from others. Wars still happened, but they were wars of philosophy, religion, and occasionally petty pique. As long as it stayed local, as they put it, no one cared enough to get involved. The hub was maintained studiously and efficiently by the hub AI and those hundred different species that called Capital home. But it was far from perfect. Things were very rarely lost, but every so often something was uh, misfiled. I'm listening, Gimble. The Sep's voice had returned to a tolerable bellow and sounded almost cordial. Control over Gimble's computer had been turned back over to him. Gimble still twitched, nervous and quick, tic-tacking away at the board with a knowing and practiced touch. There is a world out in the room, one of the outer spiral arms. The hub has a record of it being a post-hub contact world, so it's up to the standard. 
Apparently, they suffered through some kind of plague and was categorized as a quarantined world. No contact at all. All records of it were classified and refiled away from most casual use. This was like 400 standard years ago. Trying to get me and my guys killed, Gimbal. Want me to go wandering up into the Q-world, get sick and die. Is that it? No, 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 no. Dion, someone made a mistake. Quarantined worlds were blocked off from interstellar traffic by way of automated gravity nets surrounding the infested world. Those that went in weren't ever able to get out again. Not until it was confirmed that the sickness had been eliminated or it was burned itself out. The world was supposed to be declassified 300 standard years ago, but uh, it didn't happen. You sure? I got the confirmation reports. I'm looking at them right now. The world's clean and, I think, empty. Dion's lack of response for some time indicated that the Sep understood the gravity of the nugget of potential. A post-capital world full of potential for, uh, collecting. Ransacking was a more accurate and more impolite way of putting it. So, uh, the gravity nets are gone. Yes, you can stop outside the system and check for yourself before going in. More silence then for some minutes. Gimbal, I can't seem to find the information on your computer. Why is that? I, uh, I printed it all out and then refiled it under a different name and location. Do you want me to eat you, Gimbal, from the feet up instead of the head first? I can do that, Gimbal. No, of course not, not, no, but I want my debt cleared completely. Gimbal, you little dracking vermin, I swear I'm going to clear it, and I'll give you the locations, all the data on the systems and its species, everything. I'll even give you the cipher key so that you can get one of your data worms to refile it where I can't find it. More silence followed before a pleasant little ding came from Gimbal's input station. An official clearance of debt notification blinked at him three times before a heavy knock came at the door. That would be one of my associates, Gimbal. Give him all the information. He's going to be on capital for a while to keep an eye on you. Well, I explore this possibility. If you're lying to me at all, Gimbal, you'll wish that I'd eaten you instead. Oh, and Gimbal, it was a pleasure doing business with you. Sepsarthrene were an older species that filled the wild space that now encompassed the old corpse of the vast empire that existed once. Reptilian and large, they evolved in a heavy gravity, oxygen, and iron-rich world from the galactic core. They were no different from any other species in any meaningful way, aside from their willingness to engage in less savory industries and environments. Got a swamp world in your system that has zero use for it, sell it to the Sips. They had no problem getting dirty, but they were a fairly decent species as a whole. Ayanet Selbian was an unfortunate example of the Sips species as his willingness to delve into unpleasantness went beyond the cultural norm. He was slime, to put it simply, a lone shark and a thug, a con man and a thief. He preyed on the weak and the fearful, and his own people had cast him out when he was discovered to be shaking down his clanmates on his homeworld. Rather than suffer the punishment, he stole a jump-capable ship and fled. Now, a hundred standard years later, he was large enough to be a real pain in the rear, but not so large that the informal and completely unofficial law enforcement groups felt the need to bring him to heel. 
He rode that line of strength and insignificance like a natural, always quick to move on a new region, ruthless enough to develop a reputation, but not so great or fearful a reputation that drew bounties or the eyes of larger powers. So the idea of being able to move out of the range of the capital and its semi-regular groups appealed to him. The idea of plundering a whole post-capital world of any unique technology, artworks, personal treasures appeared to him even more. He'd still kill Gimbal, but it wouldn't be a torturous affair. It just wasn't smart business to leave loose end like him around. But that would be later. Gimbal was surprisingly completely on the level. Dion had expected a lie of some sort, but the data was legit. His data worms confirmed that it was clean, pure hub data, no secondary massaging or editing. A smaller world, 0.5 homeworld gravity, 0.35 oxygen content. He'd have to wear a suit, but that was nothing new. Most worlds weren't as heavy or as oxygen thick as Sep's own world. The Sep ship shuddered to a stop just within the orbit of the world in question. An automated response. Hi, Dion. System says that there's an automated defense in lower orbit. Should we blast them from range? Only if they lock on. I don't like to destroy something that could be salvaged. Get a sudden ding as the communication system engaged. Hello? Who are you? A light, pleasant, clear voice rang through the system using capital standard. Track, 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 track. Dion would slam the system with one big scaly hand muting the communications. Scan the planet, give me some numbers of life signs and signs of any ships leaving the surface and heading our way. Signal the rest of the ships to prepare to jump out. He changed his mind. He was going to eat Gimbal. Wait, Dion, I'm not seeing any life signs of interest. Wildlife, yes, lots of it, but no heat sinks you'd get from cities. Drag off. I've got scans coming up from a dozen class 3 mega-sized cities on the surface and three beneath the world's oceans. That came from the second data worm. If no one's down there, then who's talking to us? Dion scanned the info himself, noting the vast transportation network down below. The vast cities that were almost isolated from the rest of the world that had apparently reverted back to a wild state. But the first worm was right. There was no sign of vast native life, aside from the wildlife. The cities were there, but remarkably cold. He clicked the panel again, waving a hand to the crew to shut it. Hello down there. I'm called Dion. Hello, Dion. Who are you and why are you in orbit? The defensive systems are nervous. You should stay back for now. I'm a trader, stranger. A friend pointed me in your direction and told me that your people could make use of the technologies I have to offer. Are you in charge? The worms were hard at work, scanning and searching and mapping out the world below, its defenses and its layout. Dion's eyes grew wider still, and he double-blinked both sets of lids with shock at the results that came back from the scans. Unknown metals composed its buildings. Data scans showed a vast information network that seemed to be receiving data before it was actually being transmitted. I suppose you could say that. I'm Adam. I'm in charge until the masters return. He slammed his fist back down, muting the system again. No life signs, fully functional system, and now the track mentions masters. Fellas, it's an AI system. They're all dead. End of story. Story number three. A Finding Error, Part 2, written by Infernalism.
As you can imagine, what with a hundred empires being built on the bones of one massive dead empire, there isn't much in the way of laws against salvaging a dead world. But there were still a few requirements that needed to be fulfilled. Normally, Diane Stelsalbian couldn't have cared less about such trivialities, but in this case, he had little choice. With a few scans that he had done already, they'd found at least two dozen indications of advanced technology that outstripped the galactic standard. Even one of them would set him up for life by shopping it around to one of the larger growing empires. But if he didn't follow through with the protocols, they'd simply steal it from him and stick him in prison world for the rest of his very long life. It was possible that he could get around some of them, but the very, very, very large ones that you couldn't salvage a world that still had an active population. And so, Adam, I really need to talk to the, uh, masters. Can you transmit their location or something I can use to contact them? I'm sorry, Trader Dion. We only reach out to the masters if there is a serious issue. When was the last time this happened? Oh, we haven't had to do it yet. And they left when... 400 years, 6 months, 13 days, and 12 hours ago. That's very precise. It was the last time we heard from them. They said that they would be back eventually, and to call them if there was a problem. Dion's 16 ships had taken up orbit around the planet below, and were well into initial scanning stages of the process, but they'd already run into problems. Good problems, but still problems. Their scanners couldn't penetrate the most of the buildings below, and the computer reporting back that the building material was there when examined would vanish from the wide net scans when not actively focused upon. The system insisted that the buildings only existed while being actively studied. Meanwhile, one of his gunners had showed him something that him still concerned. The defensive satellites in orbit below had his ship powered down and not actively targeting his own ship. A gesture of goodwill, Adam said, from the defensive devices. But when one of his gunners slowly began to reach his finger down towards the lock-on system that had painted a particular target with a targeting laser for directional missile fire, before he could even reach the lock-on system with his finger, the defensive satellites lit up and painted his own ship with the targeting systems. When the gunner drew his finger back, the defensive devices powered back down again. Dion experimented with this a few times, always drawing a response from the systems, but only with the lock-on systems, never responding to any other efforts from nearby buttons and toggles, only the system that would have these weapons activated. Finally, the experiments had to stop when Adam questioned what they were doing. Adam, either an android or some AI, was stubbornly calm and polite and completely tracking oblivious, Adam, surely at least some of your masters would have stayed. Some of them must be there. No, they all left. Some of them were here, but they were sick and died. We cared for them until they died. And the others? They left. They'll be back. You must wait for them. We aren't allowed to let anyone down onto the surface without permission. Away from one of the techs had die on muting the system again. Ion, we can take those systems, I guarantee it. They are old solid particle beam cannon, standard capital gift tech, starter technology. Dion just glared at the gunner and waved him off. Stupid Drek couldn't see past the end of his gun. 
He reactivated the comms. Adam, I really do need to talk to them before I can go. We can only contact them in case of emergency, Trader Dion. I thank you for your efforts, but we are not interested in your technologies. Fine. You want to play rough, but here it is. He jabbed the button then, sending a direct link, point-to-point communication, aimed down at the panel below, sending down a very large data file that stated intent, a legal form devised by Capital AI and filled in with all the requisite legal necessities. This is an official declaration of claim for this world for salvage. Your masters have three days to respond and let me know if they exist that this world is currently claimed and occupied. It was so dragging stupid, but this was one of those protocols that even he had to respect. Ah, I see. A few seconds passed then. The masters have been notified. Good, now then, please vacate the premises. Silence from Dion and the rest of the crew, then as several new layers of defensive satellites suddenly made themselves known, materializing into high orbit at almost point-blank range. Dion, I'm getting painted from behind as well. What? Where? From the moon. I'm detecting long-range weaponry powering up. You were supposed to check that moon before we got in range. I did. It wasn't there before. Adam spoke again, a bit louder, just as polite. As per galactic law, once the declaration has been delivered, if the recipient feels threatened, the delivering agent must withdraw outside the range of the system in question. Please do so now. Nyon was officially pissed now, but he wasn't stupid either. They'd somehow got the drop on him, cloaking their defenses until now. All right, all right, calm down. We'll withdraw to high orbit. You will withdraw to the surrounding Oort cloud, the gas cloud surrounding our solar system. We're allowed to stay within scanning range, only if the recipient does not feel threatened. We have recorded a dozen near attempts to target our defenses by your ship. Near attempts? What did that mean? Please withdraw, Salvager Dion. I do not know if I can keep the defenses at bay for much longer. The Seph would just slam his fist down, getting the communications link. Signal the others to fall back to the deep orbit outside the system itself. Deploy scanning satellites in high orbit over the planet and direct that bot if he doesn't like it. And someone tell me how they cloak their power stations from our approach scans before I kill one of you. Three days. That was the time required and allowed for a species to respond. Three days time and then he'd allow to clear out the defenses and start salvaging. The scan sats were feeding back a steady stream of data that didn't make any real sense. According to the sats, as soon as he left, all of the defensive systems powered down and then disappeared, cloaked again. But even if that didn't make sense, smartly, he ordered direct and lengthy scans of the moon's defensive systems and found multiple layers of long-range defensive positions that tracked his ships until they were out of range. And then they too disappeared from the scan sats. You could cloak defensive sats, of course, until they powered up. Was it possible that these people had found a way to cloak a fully functioning power supply? Data indicated that it was your standard fusion reactors, if a bit a high end of the output. They held all kinds of potential for military empires out in the core. Dion spent most of that first day making a list of potential buyers and staring at the clock. When he went to sleep, it was the dreams of owning his own casino world. 
he woke up far less grandiose reality. No, I own your contracts, I own you, all of you. Raging now, the twelve-foot-tall armored set glared down and around his crew as they busied themselves packing and gathering. Sorry, Dion, here. A data slip was handed to him by someone who didn't sound sorry at all. A quick glance was enough and not enough at the same time. Your contracts have been paid up. Yep, the ship's captain almost smiled at that. All of them? Sure looks like it. He'd point out the view screen and showed the other ships, his ships, being vacated and the crews boarding a couple of large colony ships that had been converted for transportation only. Every single member of his 16 salvaging teams were leaving, their work contracts having been paid off. They were under no obligation to work for him anymore. Granted, now he was somewhat richer than before. But, um, how the dreck am I supposed to salvage the system if you're leaving? That's your problem. Dion would activate his personal comm system, keyed up every ship. I'll pay you double, triple, triple pay, and a share of the profits to anyone who stays to help salvage. Occasionally, large amounts of money being offered, but honestly, no one liked Dion. He bought out their contracts through nefarious means and lorded over them, personally killing some of them for failures. So none were eager, despite the pay. But even if he had been a good guy, Dion, we already got a new work contract signed. What? This far out? When? Why you slept? Take it easy, boss. Dion's second day was spent in hyperspace, taking his 16 ships back to a somewhat close by fueling port where he could refuel his ships and buy new crews. It was a galling experience, but mostly just a wounded pride, as he found his account splash with new credits from a relatively famous mining conglomerate that had inexplicably purchased his entire cruise while he'd slept. He spent so much time reaching out to his old contacts for new workers that it took him some minutes before he realized that the comm system was buzzing at him. What? Hi, Dion. This is Max up at the feuding point. It's about time. How long till my ships are fueled? That's the thing. We're not refuting them. Dion tossed aside the work pad and gave his full baleful attention to the monitor. Say that again, Max. Max, a lifelong worker there at the fuel dump, should have cowered and sweated a bit, but didn't. I said, we're not refuting your ships, you drecking drack. The Sep couldn't respond, but the refuter didn't even notice. He just kept working on the monitor for a moment before continuing. Orders from high up. You want fuel, you go somewhere else. Your money is no good here anymore. Now take your trekking ships and shove them up your scaly rear and trek off. Dion's third day was spent at his ship, watching the fuel reserves on the far side of the fueling station. He'd managed to get three Shelby ships, including his own, refueled from passing ships, buying the fuel at obscene prices from miners and pilots that had gotten word that Dion was no longer allowed to the refueling port. Eventually, though, people just stopped answering his calls, no matter how much he offered them for the fuel. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. If he didn't hear back from the dead world's people by the end of the day, he could take his fuel chips back, salvage some tech, and go sell it to recoup his losses, and build a new salvage team to come and get the rest later. Even one bit of rare tech would be enough to keep him going. He went to sleep. Dreaming dark dreams of retribution and retaliation. He woke to find some sound thrumming engines underway. 
which honestly made no sense. He'd settled into a free spot in one of the Lagrange points in deeper orbit around the refueling station. He shouldn't be moving. Hello, Dion. He lunged up out of his sleeping pit, gun in hand, and spied a humanoid sitting cross-legged across the room from him. Who the Drek are you and why the Drek is my ship moving? The man simply smiled a bit more and stood up. Well, your ship is moving because I set the nav system to a new destination and put it into motion. I also took the liberty of clearing out your systems and any important data, location, scans, and all that. You, uh, you called us. Well, he would shrug then, looked back at the much larger, much more powerful SIP. Here we are. You, you're the ones who brought up my crew. Yeah, then you put out the word to not let me refuel. Guilty as charged. My other ships? Being salvaged, I think, at the moment, as you apparently abandoned them. You also find that your accounts, all of them, have been depleted, redistributed to a few groups that you've mistreated down through the years. This was a trap. You people, Gimbal, you planned all of this. Pure, honest laughter, then as the man looked at him. Oh, you think so highly of yourself, don't you? No, this is no trap. This is, uh, a reaction to your actions. I assume you're somewhat familiar with the theory of cause and reaction. The Sep had just stared at the man, trying desperately to try to come to some kind of understanding of what was happening. And while he did so, the man continued to talk to him. The reality of cause of effects is very well known. Physics is based around it. But what if you could not just get around in a linear path of that reality and have the effects come before the cause? Does that make any sense at all? No? Oh well. Sep finally caught up enough to himself, remembering himself enough to heft that weapon upwards, to point it at the man even as it fell apart in his grasp, falling to pieces even as his hand was coming up, even as he was aiming. Now see, that's it right there. Normally you'd have taken that blaster, take it apart, and removed the various pieces before it'd fall to pieces like that. But what if you could find a way to make the whole falling apart part of it? A little equation happened before the actual dissembling part. Interesting, right? The Sep, thoroughly confused, fumbled with his bits and pieces of his blaster, couldn't even find the words, just sputtering at the man in a glutteral Sep slang, only to look back to find the man gone. Over here, Dion, on one of the monitors, the man was exiting his ship, heading back into a small, very standard-looking craft connected to his ship, as if it was meant to try and detach and fly away while in hyperspace. An impossibility. If I were you, Dion, I'd forget about that planet. You'll never be able to find it again. And if you try, we'll hear about it. And if that happens, you'll desperately wish to be back in your cell at the Sepithrine. Cheery wave with his given before the humanoid stepped into his craft. It detached and impossibly flew away into hyperspace just before the ship exited on the edge of the orbit of his abandoned home world. He watched, stunned, as several Sep ships began to close in on his ship. Once upon a time, there was a world full of very clever people who eventually learned how to make an omelette happen before the egg was laid. They played with time and physics, arriving at places before they even packed to leave, building things that shouldn't logically exist and finding answers before they even knew the proper questions. This led to some very bad things happening. 
and lots of them dying to a disease that won't exist for a very long time yet, but will be born to their hubris and lack of caution. Humbled, shattered, what was left of them went forward and created a basis for existence, a level of technology and understanding of physics and reality for all peoples to enjoy and make proper use of. Working backwards through time for many centuries, they eventually will create the hub of knowledge and establish a great and glorious empire that would stretch across the galaxy and be there to be consumed by the races that would follow. They work there now, establishing and crafting, but eventually they will return home when the universe is full of the end results of their continued work. But until then, if you hear stories of a world where things are fixed before they're broken, try and ignore it. They're far too busy with their continuing work to want to be bothered by interlopers. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.